take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, and we're going to do things a little bit differently for the next few weeks, whereas normally I would read a long section of of Scripture and then speak from that. We're going to kind of be jumping around a little bit more in Proverbs. So I'll just have you turn your Bibles there and be ready. Have them locked and loaded, and uh, we'll kind of jump around in there as we go. As you're turning there, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of looking now at your word. Lord, it's been good to be in the Lord's house, to hear the singing of your people, and to just fellowship one with another. But I pray now that, Lord, you would calm our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Uh, Help us, Father, to not be distracted, to put all things else out of our mind, and to just turn our attention now to your holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible, and perfect word. For, Father, we know that's what this is. Not a book written by men, but a book written by God. It contains everything we need for our faith and for our practice. And so help us, I pray. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I pray for his filling now. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to speak rightly, accurately, clearly, powerfully. And help me, Lord, to not say anything I ought not to. Just use this time. We give it to you in Jesus' name. And for Jesus' sake, amen. Well, for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you on uh, the book of Proverbs, and I want to focus on family matters, things pertaining to the family. And as I start this series, I want to kind of issue you a little challenge. I've talked about before a way, uh, various ways that we can systematically read through our Bibles, and I want to encourage you, as we're going through the book of Proverbs, uh, to take up this challenge. I want to encourage you to read, challenge you to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I'd be willing to do that? One chapter of Proverbs every day during this series. This series is only going to last for the next ten years. No. It's only going to last for a few weeks. But, you know, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. And you can just simply read the day of the week. Today's the sixth. Read Proverbs chapter six when you get up in the morning before you go to bed at night or something like that. I want to encourage you to do that so that as we're working through this as a church on the Lord's Day, you can also be uh, reading through it on your own. And I think it will be greatly helpful to you. Proverbs is a compendium of short, pithy sayings. Isn't that a great definition? On a variety of practical matters. It was mostly written by King Solomon. It speaks to the subjects that were of interest to Solomon. And to Solomon's people in his day. That was a long time ago. And yet I think if we look at it, we'll find out that those same exact issues are the issues that are of concern to us today. The basic issues of life are no different today than they were then. Relationships, finances, career, uh, balancing the various aspects of life, child rearing, money, sex, all of those kinds of things which are the issues of our lives are all dealt with in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book containing principles for life. It's not a book containing promises for life. And that's a very important distinction, a vital distinction that I think we need to make right up front, and we'll probably talk about several times throughout this series. If we're going to rightly understand the book of Proverbs, we have to understand that. It deals in principles. It does not deal in promises. Let me give you a couple of examples and see if you agree with me on that. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to light, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Do you think that's a promise or a principle? Proverbs chapter 10, or Proverbs chapter 19 and verse, uh, yeah, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. I can't read my notes this morning, I'm sorry. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Do you think that's a promise or a principle? Or how about Proverbs 22.6? This one, of course, is 
probably the most uh, relevant to what we're trying to accomplish with this series, Family Matters. Proverbs 22.6, we'll probably talk about a lot. Uh, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that a promise or a principle? See, any of us who have lived any number of years, we would have to say in our heart of hearts that those things cannot be promises. We can all go back in our mind and think of those who have fulfilled the stated conditions, but the benefits just didn't seem to come to fruition, at least not yet. We certainly know good Christians who have lived godly lives, taken their faith and walked with God seriously, and yet evil times did come. Have we not known people like that? And we certainly know many Christians who walk with the Lord, but they are not rich. As a matter of fact, I think probably that's most of us in this room. And of particular relevance, we know families that have, to the best of their ability, trained their children, raised their kids up, tried to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and they are not now walking with the Lord. And so if you take the, the, the words of Proverbs as promises, you're very likely going to come away depressed because you're going to find example after example. The more you read, you're going to say, wait a minute, I'm fulfilling that part, but this is not true in my life. That promise has not been fulfilled. But if you take them as principles, which they are, principles for godly living, you're going to find instruction that's going to be more helpful than anything else you're going to want to find. You can go to any bookstore, and one of the greatest filled shelves that you're going to find is the how-to section. The books of how to solve all these different problems in your life. And everything that is in all of those shelves can be summed up, and you can find it right here in the book of Proverbs. It contains all the principles for living that you're ever going to need. Albert Einstein once said, where's Alex? Where's Alex Haza? Raise your hand, Alex. Albert Einstein once said, I want to know God's thoughts. I've been having some wonderful conversations with Brother Alex back there. And I mentioned that quote to him the other day. I want to know God's thoughts. One of my favorite Albert Einstein quotes. And he ripped it out from under me and pointed out to me that I did not really understand that Albert Einstein did not have the same God. He did not have the same view of God as we did. And I, I, I have to admit that I think, I think Alex is right on that. I've never really read anything that would indicate Einstein was a believer. But I still like that quote, Alex. I really do. I want to know God's thoughts. And whether or not he meant it the way I'm saying it, I mean it that way. I want to know God's thoughts. Don't you? As a grandparent... I, was, I had parent down here originally, but then I put grandparent. I want to know God's thoughts on child rearing. Don't you, parents, grandparents, want to know? Proverbs gives us God's principles for raising children in a fallen world. I want to know God's thoughts about money and retirement and savings and insurance and, and all of the things related to financial planning and security. Proverbs gives us principles for that that, uh, that just simply cannot be beaten. A fellow by the name of Dave Ramsey. Anybody ever heard that name? Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey is a conference speaker, and he's on the radio, and he's on TV. He's written about 3,000 books, all of them on this matter of financial planning and budgeting and, and uh, personal finances and all that. And you know, if you boil down everything that Dave Ramsey has to say, every single word of it comes from the book of Proverbs. There's not a thing he says that God has not already laid out. God's principles work, and God's principles are timeless and forever. In our society, where every sexual moor is being broken down and where sexual activity outside of and before marriage is now considered to be not only healthy and normal, but a good thing, I want to know God's thoughts about human sexuality. What is that God wants us to know about that? Relationships, sex, marriage, 
And Proverbs gives us that. God's principles for manhood, God's principles for womanhood, God's principles for sexual relationships, all those things. In a country where drug use is increasingly legalized, (laughs) promoted by even our government, where the use of alcohol is encouraged more and more, and even getting the blessing more and more of the church in some ways. I want to know God's thoughts on things like drugs and alcohol. And Proverbs gives us God's principles concerning these things. So over the next few weeks, I want to look at specifically at some principles from Proverbs. And we're going to narrow it down to family matters, things that have to do with the home, marriage, child-rearing, things like that. And I think we'll find that God has quite a few thoughts to share with us. Now, the first few weeks are going to be foundational. We're going to look at some principles that apply to, really, they're, they're the underlying foundational truths that we need to lay, first of all. But then after we've done that for a couple of weeks, we're going to turn our attention to some very specific things. And I do want to talk about uh, money. I do want to talk about sex. I do want to talk about conflict management. I want to talk about the power of words, the dangers of drugs and alcohol, maybe a few other things. But in everything that we look at there, we're going to point it, focus it back toward the home. Family matters. So today, let's take a look at a foundational principle. And actually, I think this is the foundational principle. The footer, if you will, since footers are on our mind right now. The footer on which all of the foundational truths that we're going to mention stand. And uh, as we do that, let me make three statements and see if this makes any sense to you. Statement number one, a healthy person is a God-centered person. Statement number two, a healthy home is therefore a God-centered home. And statement number three, a successful parent, then, must be a God-centered parent. Let's see if we can find that in Proverbs. First of all, number one, a healthy person is a God-centered person. If you've got your Bibles open to Proverbs, you're probably looking at chapter one. Look down at verse number seven. Proverbs chapter one, verse number seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Jump over to chapter 9. Chapter 9 and verse number 10, you'll see a similar verse. And there's others we could look at, I just picked a couple here. Chapter 9 and verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Notice both of those began with the phrase, the fear of the Lord. It's a key phrase in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. And I actually want to concentrate on the first eight words of each of those those two verses that I read to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's the foundation. Nothing else we can talk about will make any sense unless we get this foundational truth down. It is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. We are in the midst of a building program, as you may have noticed been in a few papers. But we're supposed to be well along on that project by now. We were supposed to have broken ground immediately following Easter. And by now, some of us actually thought that we'd, we'd have walls up, we'd have a roof up. We, we actually thought that by now there'd, there'd be a building there. And if you look, there's a hole in the ground. And there's not a building there. And the reason that there's not is because once we, we began digging and we exposed the foundation of the old building, Basically, we discovered that 150-year-old foundation just was insufficient for us to build against. We couldn't build on the foundation that was there. And so we had to take a step back and fix the foundation before we could build the building. 
And you know, the fact is, I think Proverbs teaches us people are no different than buildings. They need a foundation. Everything about their life stands or falls based on the stability and the soundness of the foundation. And so in these key verses from Proverbs, Solomon is describing this foundation as the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. And so, obviously, the question comes, what does that mean? What is the fear of the Lord? One person defined it like this. He defined a person who fears the Lord as one who, quote, recognizes God's character and responds by revering, trusting, worshiping, obeying, and serving him. That's that's an okay definition. I think, in other words, we might say fearing the Lord could be paraphrased simply as accepting God as God. Believing he is who he said he was. Putting him before all other things in your life. I believe when he talks about the fear of the Lord here, he's talking about the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. I am God, have no other gods. That's the fear of the Lord. I think that's what he's talking about, accepting that. I think it's the first four words of the Bible, which are foundational to every other word in the Bible. In the beginning, God. Nothing else makes sense in the Bible if we skip those first four foundational words. God is the foundation upon which all of us must build. Jesus told a parable about the importance of building your life on a right foundation. You remember that? Matthew chapter 7. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. It had a foundation. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so right here at the start of this this little study that we're going to do in Proverbs, I need to ask, what foundation is your life built on? Is it God, or is it something else? Is God first in your life? Or is he just one of several good things that you've tacked on to a life that really looks no different than anybody else's? Does God and God's will direct your steps? Or is God just one counselor among many for you? Is the fear of the Lord your foundation, the thing that underpins everything? Proverbs is filled with this, filled with this foundational truth. Over and over we read that we need this right from the start. It's the foundation from which every other truth flows. Whether we seek success in relationships, parenting, money, any of those other things we talked about, uh, vocation, anything, we have to start here. The foundation is not right. There's no sense talking about those things. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to light. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Proverbs 14.27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. It is the foundation. And it is a sure and unshakable foundation upon which to build your life. So the first statement this morning is a healthy person is a God-centered person. The second statement builds on that. A healthy home is a God-centered home. Look with me at Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24, and let's look at verse 3. Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through wisdom, a house is built. 
Let me pause here just for a quick moment and define the word wisdom. We, we talked about the, the, the phrase, the fear of the Lord, and we needed to define that. That's a key concept. But so too is this concept of wisdom. Matter of fact, I think wisdom might be spoken of in Proverbs. Wisdom versus foolishness, perhaps more than any other thing. Here's how one person defined wisdom. He said, the wisdom offered by the book of Proverbs is skill for living. Wisdom is not merely intellectual or academic. It is primarily moral. The book of Proverbs teaches you how to live skillfully in every area of your life, including family, finances, friendships, speech, and work. The goal of wisdom is that you might achieve a life of beauty and significance so that at the end of your days, you will have accomplished something worthwhile and lasting. So it is skill for living. I think that's a good definition of the way he uses the word wisdom here. And so a healthy home, according to that, is a result of wisdom. And wisdom comes from the foundation which we have already laid, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. One builds upon the other. You know, I imagine the point's obvious, so I'm not going to bore you with it, but you just see it, right? You cannot have a healthy home unless you first have a healthy person. The foundation has to be under you first. Joshua understood this foundational truth, the warrior Joshua in the Bible. He said one day to the children of Israel, he said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But, and here's the point, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua knew. Joshua publicly proclaimed that God was not only the foundation of his life, he was the foundation of his home as well. And so I ask you this morning, is God the foundation on which your life rests? Is God the foundation on which your home is built? Number three. A successful parent, then, must be a God-centered parent. A, six, uh, a healthy person is God-centered. A healthy home is God-centered. A successful parent, then, must be a God-centered parent. The title of this study from Proverbs is Family Matters. And we find instruction in every area of life in Proverbs, but as I said, I, wanted to, I want to narrow it to, to the things that are specific to the to the home and to parenting. And so in this last point, let's kind of narrow this down. Let's talk about what is foundational for a person in a home is therefore foundational for a parent specifically. And look at Proverbs chapter 20. This will be the last one I have you turn to. Proverbs chapter 20, verse number 7. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. The righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. I don't know about you, but I see cause and effect there to a certain degree. You see, parents, if you want to raise children that will serve God, then there's only one foundation on which to build your parenting skills. If you want to be successful as a parent, then you must build on the foundation we've been describing. That foundation of the fear of the Lord, that foundation of wisdom. It starts with you. It starts with the foundation of your life. It has to be real in you before it can ever be real in your children or in your home. You have to build your life on the right foundation before you can branch out and help your children to build any kind of a life. 
the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference, I believe just concluded in June of this year. And I read this quote. I really don't know anything about the conference or this, this, this person who was speaking. This, this woman's name was Elise Fitz. And I read this quote, and, and it was right along what I'm trying to say here, so I'll share it with you. She said, the gospel won't be central in our parenting unless it's first central in our thinking. The gospel won't be central in our parenting unless it's central in our thinking. Oh, how true that is. Dads, it must first be true in you. Moms, if it's not in you, it probably will not be in them. We've all heard these terrible statistics of how many of our young people are leaving the church. Evangelical churches, we have Sunday schools and BBSs and all kinds of things in junior church, and we have uh, kids who are raised up in that, and then they reach young adulthood and they leave. And they abandon the faith. And it's a terrible statistic, and it's, it's, uh, we, we, we look at it and we think, well, what can we do? Those of us who are in leadership in a church, we're, we're constantly dismayed by that. And we're, when we have elders meetings or whatever, we, well, that's one of the things we talk about a lot. How do we help that situation? How do we stop losing so many kids? What are we doing wrong? <laughs> and the fact is, even though the church does play a part, and I don't want to minimize the part we play, the church is not the main character there. The ultimate responsibility rests upon us as parents. Parents. If our children don't see God as real and life-changing and foundational in us, fathers, mothers, they're not going to see any need for him in their own lives. There's way too much exciting stuff out there that they're going to be concentrating on if they don't see something real in us. It has to be real in parents first if it's ever going to reach the children. In Genesis, we're introduced to a man by the name of Lot. Lot is an interesting character. He's a warning to us in so many ways. If you were to read the descriptions in Genesis, I don't know how you'd ever really come away and think that Lot was a saved man. But then we get to the New Testament and we read Peter's words about him and he described him as a righteous man. We know from Peter that Lot was indeed saved. But he was saved like so many men and women are today. As the prophet said, they're going to get into heaven by the skin of their teeth. Did you know that's in the Bible? The skin of their teeth. Barely saved. Just believing enough. To get in, but you look at their life, there's really no evidence. That was Lot. Lot lived in Sodom. Lot lived alongside the Sodomites, and nobody would have ever guessed he was different. He had the answer. He knew the Lord, but nobody ever knew. When the day of judgment came for Sodom, God sent his angels to rescue Lot and his family. And that's a wonderful story right there, in spite of what a poor example of a Christian he was. Nonetheless, God could not touch Sodom until he got out of there. But Lot lost most of his family. And the reason he lost most of his family in that judgment is because they didn't believe him. They'd never, he'd never talked to them about God before. He'd never lived and showed that foundation of his life to them before. And so now all of a sudden, here the judgment of God is about to fall. And he goes to his family and listen to this verse. This has got to be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 14. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters and said, Get up. Get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Hmm. Joking. Is that the way our kids think of us? When one day we finally get to the point where we say something to them? Lot had not lived his faith before them now. There was no reason for them to believe him when he finally did. They had not seen it in his life. And so now they laughed at him 
when he tried to talk to him about it. See, he had not built his home or based his parenting on the same foundation of his life as his life. And so they never saw it as real. Contrast Lot with Joshua. We talked about Joshua just a minute ago. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua's foundation was God. And it was also the foundation of his home. Contrast Lot with David. We mentioned that Solomon is the author of Proverbs. I think we mentioned that. Did we mention that? Solomon is the author of Proverbs. But you know, Solomon credited his father's teaching for much that he knew. In Proverbs chapter 4, he said, When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me. And so God was the foundation of David's life, of David's home, and of David's parenting. David was far from a perfect parent, but he is an example there. So over the next few weeks, I want us to delve specifically into some things related to our homes and parenting. And Proverbs will help us. Proverbs will help us as we seek to raise our children for God. But none of it will mean anything if we don't get this one. If we don't understand the foundation that needs to be there right at the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. And so two questions I would ask this morning I want you to think about as we wrap it up. Is God the foundation upon which your home is built? Is God the foundation upon which your home is built? Do your kids ever see you reading the Bible? Or is the Bible just something that sits on the shelf? They may not even know where it is if you were to ask them to go find it. When your kids come to you with the problems of childhood, and any parent knows that they will do that, have they ever heard you quote God's word as an answer to their questions? Have they ever heard you say, let's see what God says about that, and watched as you picked up the Bible to look it up? If someone were to quiz your kids on the things considered authoritative or important in your home, would the Bible or God be on the list? Or would it be trumped by things like television and Facebook and Twitter and other such things? Is God the foundation on which your home is built. Do your kids ever see you pray? Ever. Do your kids see you worshiping on the Lord's Day as something you believe in as a priority or something that you just drag them to, kicking and screaming and grudgingly yourself so by the time you get there, everybody's so mad nobody wants to be there anyway? Do your kids see you planning your life around God and His kingdom? Or do other things take precedence? Do your kids see you ordering your week, your work, your recreation, You're everything around God. Or do they see the same priorities in you that they see in their favorite TV personalities? Except that maybe you'll tack on 90 minutes now and then for a church service. Is God the foundation on which your home is built? And I know that some people struggle to answer these questions. There's certainly been times in my life when I struggle to answer those questions. But if you do, and if you you can't answer any of those things the way that you think you should then perhaps we need to think about a much deeper issue, and that's this. Is God the foundation of your life? Is God the foundation on which your life rests? If the reason your kids never see you reading the Bible is because you simply don't give a rip about what the Bible says, maybe that's a problem. Maybe you need to look at your life. Is it because you don't read the Bible? Is the reason that you don't read the Bible because you don't want to? Is the reason that your kids never see you pray because, in point of fact, you don't? 
Because even when you're alone, you have no interest or desire in talking to God. Is, is the reason that your kids don't see you making a priority out of the things of God because in your heart of hearts you don't make a priority out of the things of God? Is it because you'd far rather spend time in worldly pursuits? See, these are questions that you know in your heart of hearts. It doesn't matter how we live in front of other people. This is where we have to look at our own heart and ask ourselves, is this true of me? If you have to answer those questions in the affirmative, you have to think about this. Is God really the foundation on which my heart rests, my life rests? Is it real? Is it real in you? See, lack of interest in God's word, lack of interest in prayer, lack of interest in worshiping God, these are not evidences of salvation. These are actually evidences that you are probably not saved. Not absolute, but certainly enough to cause concern. Is God the foundation on which your life rests? You know, if not, here's some good news. And I want to end with some good news for you this morning. Because if that's not true of you now, it certainly can be. It's never too late. You may have lived your whole life and and, and not had God as the foundation of your life, but you certainly can. You can start building on the one true foundation today. Before the service is over. Right now where you sit. You can turn your life over to the Lord. You see, God created you to have that foundation. He created you to have a relationship with him. Created us all for that. It's our sin that gets in the way. Not too long ago, we had the privilege of standing in Israel and and standing and looking at what some would say is Golgotha, the very place where the blood of the Son of God came down. We stood and we looked at the empty tomb. It's just an astonishing thing to see. And if you think about it on that cross that was perhaps right there, he paid for your sin. Every evil thought, every evil word, every misstep, every incorrect desire, everything that is sinful and displeasing to God, he paid for it all right there. Even the ones that you haven't even thought of yet, he paid it all. All. And now forgiveness and eternal life and a right foundation upon which to build a life and a home. It's now yours as a free gift, if you'll just take it, if you'll just accept it. Oh, I ask again, is God, is Jesus Christ the foundation on which your life rests? And if you are not sure of that, you can solve that today. Just talk to him. Talk to him. Tell him that even though you know that you are a sinner, and you are, so am I. We all are, the Bible says. Even though that you know you're a sinner and lost because of it, you also know and accept that he paid the price for it on Calvary. And you know that all you need to do is ask for it now and he'll give it to you. Tell him you want to be saved. Tell him you believe. Tell him you accept. Tell him you receive. Tell him you're trusting him and none other. Tell him. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved today. Make him the foundation of your life. You see, it has to be real in you. I hope you heard that today. It has to be real in you before it will ever be real in your home. So if you'll do that today, you can sing with the rest of us who are saved that wonderful old song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock. I stand. Is that your foundation? It should be. It must be if you're going to have a home that will glorify the Lord.